Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bolin Branch and how you can discover this new level of softness with their iconic sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% responded that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. They source the rarest 100% organic cotton for an incredible softness to start. Then they skip the toxins and harsh chemicals for a natural feel unlike anything else, and it all comes together with their signature weave. This special design feels buttery, breathable, and unlocks new levels of softness with every wash. And they stand behind their promise of softness. With their 30-night guarantee, you can wash, style, and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. If during the 30 nights, you don't love your sheets or feel them getting softer and softer, you can send them right back. No questions asked. So head to BolandBranch.com for 15% off your first order with code ODYSSEY. That's B-O-L-L and Branch.com. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Good morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, November 8th, 2021. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by Steve Hellwagon. Steve, a lot to get into. Let's start with Ohio State's defense. I really like what I'm seeing overall. I mean, they gave up a couple of big plays to Nebraska. It wasn't the best game for Lathan Ransom. He was on the receiving end of uh, both of those big plays, the touchdown, and then like the 53-yarder down to the one-yard line that led to a touchdown on the next play. But Steve, I like overall what I'm seeing from this defense. They just they're flying around. They lead the nation in sacks now. They had five more against Nebraska. They hold Nebraska to 17 points, held Nebraska uh, under 400 yards. Now it helps um, when the field goal kicker is shanking field goals for Nebraska. Um, but still, I like, since Matt Barnes has taken over, I, I just like the direction this defense is going in. Yeah, they played uh, outstanding on the whole. Uh, you take away those two plays. And Martinez really did nothing throwing the football. He had the 243 or four yards, something like that. But those two plays were 120 of it. So uh, you take that away. And uh, he was barely 500 passing, not even that. I think it would have been 14 of 29 for 122 yards or something if you take away those two big plays. And those two big plays were well-designed by them. I've watched a video on it here just again this morning. and appears he, he uh, runs a really good play fake. And uh, they also had a receiver, uh, as from the offense's point of view, in the left flat that kind of drew Bryson Shaw's attention away from the, the deep post route, I guess, is what the other receiver from the far outside right ran and he just kind of outran Lathan Ransom. He was expecting a little bit of help over the top and it wasn't there. And he was off to the races and Ohio state had led 17 to three at that point. And uh, they get that touchdown and now it's, it's uh, 17 to 10 and Nebraska still in the game. And obviously the one later on the, the big play uh, again, uh, a similar concept uh, Ransom had a little better coverage and just missed on the tackle after the catch, and then there were a couple more missed tackles downfield that allowed uh, the uh, the uh, the receiver to get down to the one-yard line before Hickman dragged him down. But uh, the front, to me, Dave, is the story. 
they have 19 of their 33 sacks for the season have been in the last four games, uh, whereas uh, they would have had uh, whatever the rest of that is, 14 of them in the first five games. So uh, they've really amped up their production. They are impacting the quarterback. They had Martinez on the run, and he is a, uh, a very mobile quarterback, can run the footballs we saw. And uh, he was breaking contain and getting outside and keeping plays alive. But they had him flushed quite a bit, uh, just as they did with uh, Tylea Tagovailoa from Maryland. That was one that was under constant duress. And Sean Clifford, obviously, last week as well. So uh, to me, I I think that uh, that they shut down the run. Uh, Nebraska got literally uh, next to nothing running the football. And, uh, and again, I think on the whole, you had a big pass breakup by Denzel Burke. Marcus Williamson had one. Bryson Shaw had one. Uh, you just got – they're playing great team defense right now, Dave. That's what I see. And the linebacker group is even coming on. Steel Chambers was shot out of a cannon at halftime. <laughs> had uh, six tackles and an interception in the second half. So there's a lot to like there. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, – champions on that side of the ball again and uh you know i think they are playing their best football at the right time of the year if they finish the season strong and i don't mean they have to win the national championship but let's say they win the big 10 title and the defense finishes the season relatively strong is it as simple to you as matt barnes is now going to be the defensive coordinator moving forward for this program or do you think ryan day again assuming that the defense finishes strong this year do you think Ryan Day is going to go out and find a defensive coordinator outside the program? Or do you think this is Matt Barnes has earned this job? I think that's a tremendous question. I think if it ends well, and as you said, that doesn't necessarily mean winning the national championship in my way of thinking. If you can get to the playoff or get to the national championship game in this, in this type of a season, and I know you have a one once in a lifetime offense and, and that's kind of a, a funny thing to say because they put up big numbers here in recent years with fields and haskins and, and whatever but you have an outstanding offense you have the best offense at college football you gotta hope and with an emerging defense that you can make a run at the national championship if not somehow come away with it i don't know that stuff we'll talk about for another day because they've got four tough games in four weeks ahead of them, if they win the first three and then whoever they play uh, from the West, Wisconsin seems like they have figured out whatever their problem has been for the last year and a half. They've got it worked out right now. They're playing great football, but the next three games are going to be difficult. And I think Matt Barnes, his concepts on defense are going to be tested here down the stretch. If they pass all these tests, then I think, yes, you have to give him a pay raise and elevate him in title to something. Now, what does that mean with Kerry Combs? Does Kerry Combs want to stay? Does Ryan Day want him to stay? Is his value as a recruiter that important? Is his value as a position coach that important? It seems to me like they've they've stumbled upon a formula that works. And if Kerry Combs will accept whatever it is, a co-defensive coordinator position or whatever, then so be it. Go on with that and let, you know, I say let's. They should go on winning football games is what I is kind of my overriding thing. And, and I was talking with uh, Clay Hall from Channel 6. We were sitting in the airport yesterday, 
And we were kind of pondering that, like, how does, how does this look going forward? I said, a lot of it depends on how they finish. If they get gashed and gashed and lose a game, then I think all bets are off. And Larry Johnson's the only one that has a safe job. But if they go on and win the games they should win and they play well defensively, then I think you can make a case for that. And the last thing I'll say is Brian Hartline kind of laid it out there, what assistant coaches are thinking. He's like, could I go somewhere and be a coordinator? You know, and, and in parenthesis, maybe make the same amount of money I'm making here as a position coach, loving life, you know, where he's at. Um, you know, the grass isn't always greener. And <laughs> I think if Kerry Combs is content, you know, and they keep him over a million dollars a year and they put Matt Barnes in that stratosphere, why wouldn't they just keep on trucking with what they got going is my feeling. So uh, there may be an, a coach out there, <coughs> excuse me, who makes a run at Matt Barnes. Somebody at a, at, at a top 10 program says, I need uh, to upgrade my defense. And this guy, you know, ran a miracle at Ohio State in turning that one around. Maybe somebody makes a run at Matt Barnes. So you got to keep him under any way you can. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I know I'm jumping ahead there. I just, it, it is an interesting, you know, topic to think about. I mean, if, if this defense continues in the right direction, I feel like Matt Barnes has earned this job. And I don't expect Ryan Day, especially given, you know, how he's operated these last couple of years, um, promoting from within. If he believes a guy is ready, um, you know, he's not afraid to promote from within. Heck, he was promoted from within, um, and I'm usually not a fan of that. I was skeptical, Bucknutters. I think if anybody anybody who's listened to the show for a long time knows this, and I've said in my mea culpa, when, you know, initially when Gene Smith just didn't even, like, you know, even bring in anybody for an interview, I'm like, this is Ohio State. If Ryan Day's your guy, that's fine, but you need to bring in other guys and interview them at least. I was wrong. He knew he had Ryan Day, and uh, he knew he had his guy. So that's one of those times when promoting from within worked. It worked at Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley. Um, but yeah, I'm jumping ahead there with Matt Barnes, but I found it interesting. All right, let's look at the offense. Let's start with the good. I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba coming off a historical performance, one of the best in Ohio State history for a wide receiver. Set the school record, Steve, with 15 receptions. Second most yards in school history with 240. Uh, only trailing Terry Glenn with 253. That great 1995 season. And man, Smith and Jigba's 75-yard touchdown was fantastic. This guy is so good. I know it's a different game now than when you know, Terry Glenn and Chris Carter and those guys played, but uh, they're throwing the ball a lot more. But, man, that was a historically great performance from uh, JSN. Yeah, he got out early. I mean, it was like he had six or seven catches in the first quarter or something, and um, in the blink of an eye, his numbers just mushroomed. And uh, obviously, it helped with that uh, 75-yard touchdown. At least the yardage total was boosted by that. Uh, that was an amazing play in and of itself. Just a short pass in the left flat. He splits the two defenders. Uh, one of them, uh, I believe, was a linebacker or or a defensive end dropped in coverage, and he didn't didn't get the tackle. And the DB uh, kind of missed the tackle as well. And he's off to the races. And what we saw in that play was what makes this team so special. Is Chris Olave who's already written his ticket, you know, he's, he's going to be a top half of the first round NFL draft pick, but winning football games and winning a championship is what drives him. And he does the little things. He impedes the first guy, number four, he takes him out of the play and then he goes and finds another guy and impedes him out of the play. 
And that is what allows Jackson Smith, the Jigba, to go the full distance, 75 yards down the sideline. Obviously, he's got the speed to put that away. But, Chris, I mean, that's a 40-yard play if Chris Olave doesn't uh, block those two guys. So, to me, Dave, and I asked uh, Smith the Jigba about that after the game, how they sell out for one another. It doesn't matter who makes the play, and that is what we want to see. How how much of a breath of a fresh air is that compared to Odell Beckham Jr. at Cleveland? It's all about you. Yeah, it's all about you, and we just beat one of the best teams in football, you know, without you. So there you go. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. So, uh, I, you know, it's like the old uh, Mike Singletary ran. I can't win with them. You know, I need guys who uh, who want to play for one another, and that's what Ohio State football is all about right now. So this offense, they were outstanding uh, throwing the football with C.J. Stroud. He had great pass protection all day long, and he just picked Nebraska apart. And it was fun to watch. Uh, Chris Olave had a good game. He dumped it down to Travion Henderson. I think he had five or six catches himself. So, you know, and not only that, a couple of those to Henderson were dump-offs to set up important field goals as well, which I know that runs counter to to the Ryan Day philosophy or the old Urban Meyer philosophy. We don't kick field goals. Uh, field goals have now become a part of this offense, Dave, <laughs> as, much, as much as they don't want to admit it. But uh, they moved it pretty well, and Stroud, you know, he uh, he's pretty good. Now, he threw, did have a couple of interceptions, a couple of bad decisions. Uh, one where he was he could have picked up six or seven yards, and it would have been second and five at the 11-yard line. Instead, he throws a, a terrible interception there at, at the sideline. And then the other one, he was under duress, just threw it up for grabs. Uh, as my son said, that was like an arm punt. So, you know, whatever. But, uh, you know, it, it uh, on the whole, uh, hard to quibble when the quarterback throws for 405 yards. So he's been a starter eight games and has three of the all-time 10 400-yard games in Ohio State history. So uh, it's a pretty good formula right now. Yeah, you mentioned the offensive line. They did a good job in, in pass pro. I agree. But twice now, two weeks in a row, and they, you know, Penn State's got a good D line and they were mixing things up. And, and Nebraska's got a good veteran D line. But two weeks in a row now, I've seen this offensive line struggle in run blocking. Um, some people have wondered maybe your guys out of position. Is that part of it? You know, they try to get the, the, the five best out there, which is always, I think, a good idea. Um, but guys are playing new positions. Um, what do you make of the O-line? Do you think they've been struggling and run blocking? And just, just what do you make of that whole situation? Well, it was a little bit messy. Uh, it seemed like Henderson really didn't have very good lanes to run through. We've seen this offensive line open up some huge holes for him throughout the course of the season, and that was definitely not the case against Nebraska. Uh, what I did like was at the end when they were trying to churn some clock, uh, they took three and a half minutes off the clock on, on the drive from like nine down to six. And then at the end, when they got it back, uh, they needed to pick up a few first downs and they did. Uh, I think Henderson's longest run of the day came on that last possession, 11 yards to pick up a first down. And then we're talking about one of the great game breakers in college football could not couldn't get into the secondary 11 yards was his longest run of the day kind of says it all and I think some of it's design I think in this scheme 
if the defense knows the quarterback is not going to run the football, they can key on the running back. And uh, he did keep it once near the goal line and picked up six or seven yards. Looked like a design play for him to keep it that time. And he did. And, uh, you know, I think they're trying to keep him out of harm's way as much as possible. But when we get into these games, and again, I used the wrong pronoun there, when they get into these games uh, and they need to pick up six or seven tough yards and it's there for Stroud to do it. He's absolutely got to take advantage of that and go get it. And I mean, championships are going to be on the line here shortly and it's time to put all the cards on the table and use all the weapons. And uh, you know, you, you play for tomorrow, another day uh, you, you got to win that. I mean, this game here, Dave, that football is on the, on the turf with a minute and 45 to go. And if Nebraska, somebody pulls a Jerron cage and scoops and scores, Nebraska wins the game potentially. And uh, that would have been a disaster. So to my way of thinking, uh, you know, you got to take full advantage of, of all the weapons that you have. And I think that's part of their run situation right now is that you don't have the quarterback run component. And when you're running the spread with the RPOs and all these other, you know, things that they are doing these advanced concepts but you're limiting what you can do uh it makes it much easier to defend certainly so i think it's all all part of it play calling execution scheme lack of the quarterback run i think you can add it all up certainly not travion henderson we know what he can do and uh i think the interior of the offensive line is just not uh performing at the level that they were uh, earlier in the season, perhaps in the run game, but uh, I think they'll they'll come up with some concepts. And as I said, I think you've got to add the quarterback run in there now that uh, every game from here on out is a championship game, basically. So I think, uh, I mean, you can abide the loss to Purdue if you were somehow to lose, because if you win the next two, you're in the championship game because you win the division and win the tiebreaker, but you're out of the playoff if you lose, you know, any of these games. So. Um, and I just say that hypothetically. I mean, I'm not expecting uh, Purdue to pull off a third upset of a top five team this week, but, uh, you know, they've been competitive. So, uh, and their quarterback is pretty good. So it's going to be a fun game this week and, and next week and the week after. <laughs> Here yeah, we this- go, Dave. It's November. Championships won in November. Here we go. It's quite the gauntlet, like entering the year. It's funny. I looked at the schedule. I'm thinking, well, uh, at least Ohio State gets Michigan State the week before uh, Michigan because Michigan State's not going to be any good this year. <laughs> Picked last in the, in, the, in the Big Ten East, and here they are. I know they're coming off a loss, but still. 8-1. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and there they are. Mel Tucker has them, you know, had them at number three, though obviously we'll drop now. But, yeah, let's talk about this Purdue game. Last thing, uh, Buckeyes favored by 19. That's the good thing here. I mean, this is a, a good Purdue team, but they're, they're not going to sneak up on Ohio State. I think that's the good thing for the Buckeyes here. And Ryan Day was on that staff when they got their butts handed to them by Purdue um, back in 2018. So that's going to be a fresh memory for him, even though he wasn't head coach yet. He was head, head coach for the first three games of that season. I'm sure that still stings, even though that game was mostly on the defense. But this Purdue team, I'm sure, has their attention because, as you mentioned, they've already uh, knocked off a couple of top five teams this year. What are your thoughts on this matchup this Saturday with the Buckeyes and Purdue? Well, it's weird. I was uh, covering the game in Nebraska, and they had it on the screen in the press box. But to be honest with you, I I was so busy doing what I was doing, I really didn't take much time 
to watch it. And then we listened to it a little bit on the way back to our hotel. And I just never really saw it. It sounds like they got out to a 21 to seven lead, got tied up and then pulled away a little bit in the second half, but kind of like Ohio state, they had to settle for short field goals. They moved it. They had uh, over 560 yards total offense and 500 of that was uh, passing by Aiden O'Connell. And uh, obviously uh, when you have uh, a receiver like Bell, like they have, in the two wins over top five teams, he's got something like, uh, I want to say like 17 or 18 catches for like uh, a total of like 400 and some yards or something. Just some outrageous total in the two games where they beat Iowa and they beat Michigan State. So if you don't know where Bell is, I, I said in my first look column, it seems to me that the keys are to get pressure on O'Connell to identify Bell and lock him down and don't let him have a big chunk play. Uh, and then basically just tighten up the coverages in general. Don't, don't have the, the softer zone coverages. Let them move it between the 20s perhaps, but in the red zone, you got to make them settle for three if they get it down there because Purdue's going to move the football, I think. I think we're kind of resigned to that fact. So um, I think that, uh, you know, it's going to be a great matchup, Ohio State's defense against Purdue's off-passing offense. They don't run the football much at all. They're like in the bottom 20, I think, nationally in running, uh, rushing offense. So got to get continue the pressure on O'Connell, uh, make him – uh, move off of his first guy, Bell, to other people. And uh, just kind of hang on for dear life, I guess, is my thought on that. Uh, but it could be a shootout. I mean, you have one quarterback, Stroud, who just threw for 400, and the other quarterback, O'Connell, just threw for 500. This has the makings of a high-scoring shootout. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think Ohio State's defense is probably going to have a, something to say about that. But uh, they cannot be caught looking ahead to Michigan State. And next week, they can't be caught looking ahead to Michigan. They've got to go out and uh, play three really good football games in a row uh, to complete the route here and, and get to the championship game. And that's, uh, that's what it's going to take, three really good games in a row. No doubt about that. Great stuff from Steve Hellwagon. Really appreciate it, Steve. Thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning in to the show. We appreciate that very much as well. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's hear that Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man. Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.